Hey everybody, it's Adam Ray for the About Last Night podcast. Well, part two is here. The fans have spoken. Barry Katz, one of the most powerful managers in Hollywood history, uh, is back for the part two of uh, his uh, his episode of the About Last Night podcast. He did an episode a few months back. Uh, you guys uh, really enjoyed it. We got a lot of great Twitter action and uh, email love. Thank you for that. Uh, and Barry is back, and, and we uh, we pick up where we left off and uh, and get into even more um, uh, Adam and Brad uh, psychology of, of why we're doing what we're doing. And, and, of course, just more great stories of Barry and his uh, career in the business. Of course, he's repped people like Jay Moore, uh, who still has Dave Chappelle, Louis C.K., uh, Whitney Cummings, Dane Cook, Nick Swartz, and Tracy Morgan. Uh, great stories on this one, uh, talking about how, you know, while with Jay Moore, when they got the Jerry Maguire gig and, and him calling Tom Cruise for advice, it's just, you know, more SNL stories and, and stand-up stories, and, and, and he coaches me through uh, a big audition I have coming up. It, it's just, uh, you know, uh, more reason for why Barry uh, is a solid dude and uh, and and, uh, at the top of his game. Follow Barry on Twitter at Barry Katz. Uh, and of course, subscribe to his podcast, Industry Standard, which you can get on iTunes, Stitcher, and uh, IndustryStandard.com. Uh, uh, it's a great podcast. He interviews some of the top execs and uh, um, uh, presidents of networks, um, people in big, powerful positions in the business. And uh, boy, their stories and experiences and insights are, uh, you can't get it anywhere else than with Barry on his podcast, Industry Standard. Of course, follow me on Twitter at Adam Ray Comedy, uh, at Adam Ray Comedy, just out of mini stroke, uh, at Funny Brad for Brad Williams. Of course, all our tour dates on bradwilliamscomedy.com and adamraytv.com. And uh, of course, subscribe to the podcast about last night on iTunes. Uh, tell your friends about it. You can also listen to all the episodes on aboutlastnightpodcast.com. Subscribe, rate the podcast, comment on the podcast on iTunes. That helps us climb the charts. We do have merch coming. That's exciting. Merch coming soon. Uh, ABLN shirts, hats, um, bras, thongs, fucking stockings, dick mufflers. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? I've never said that before. Dick mufflers. If we, ha- you know what? We might do it. I said it. It wasn't an accident. There might be some about last night podcast dick mufflers coming soon. Of course, listen to Brad, our buddy Brad, uh, up in San Fran on Live 105 every morning from 5 to 9 a.m. He's crushing it up there on the Kevin Klein Show, Live 105 in San Francisco. Keep listening to him. Tweet at him. Tell him you love him. Call in uh, and, uh, and show him some love. He's killing it up there. That's all the information. Those are the Twitter handles. Those are the announcements. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a very special episode of the About Last Night podcast, the sequel with Mr. Barry Katz. Well, the weekend's over, so it's time to chat about it. Got a midget and a juice, so why don't you sit down and listen to a dope podcast during lunch, dinner, or breakfast. Brad Williams and Adam Ray are here for you any time of the day. So come on and treat yourself right. It's about last night. Go ahead. Yeah, we just start. Are we up? Yeah, we up. We're up. Um, do you want to set it up? To where I think we should. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we're because this is the sequel. <laughs> yeah. This is all right. Remember sequels when you all. Saw, when, when you saw the original Lord of the Rings and they're just walking up the mountain, and then all of a sudden the movie ends, and you're like, "What the? What? The, no, I want more. There's got to be 
that's not an ending. Nice. Uh, we, Barry Katz is the Lord of the Rings of comedy. Well, I mean, we have. I look like some of the characters. <laughs> sure. Oh, too I mean, soon. Yeah, if, Only uh, worse looking. Not, if, not uh, true. Vigo Mortensen had sex with one of the trees that came alive. <laughs> that would absolutely be Barry Katz. <laughs> Has that ever been said to you? No, that was actually the cruelest thing. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. yeah. You now have like five free uh, passes to say the word midget in public. <laughs> Holy what? shit. I've never, Vigo, I, I don't use that word. That's like the N word to me. Is it? Vigo's a gorgeous man. You don't That's like, like the K word for a Jew. Oof. Yeah, is it really? Yeah. Do you think yeah. that? I mean, me, I've, I've got a different perspective than a lot of little people. I don't for sure. really care too much about the word it's more like in context like right. if, if someone's just talking to me and they're a friend and they say it i'm not gonna jump out of my skin but of course if uh if, if some guy's on on the street and says i'm gonna run you over you fucking midget wow uh, well then i'll uh, guess which, what which may have happened in san francisco he's about uh, to see a whole new brad williams <laughs> which may or may not have happened in san francisco yeah i scared the crap out of a homeless guy that's for sure uh, well he probably thought you were more homeless than him yeah <laughs> He did. <laughs> and he's, he's back. And back. he's back. Shots fired. <laughs> I'm but, so sorry. I don't know what happened. No, to me. don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> we are back in the office of the legendary Barry Katz because uh, our viewers, uh, for no other guest that we've had on, wanted more. Get out. Lisa yeah. Kudrow, they're like, we've heard enough. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Saget, Kevin Nealon, they're like, we get it. You guys are famous. Yeah. Uh, Barry Katz, they're like, what else you got? Yeah, <laughs> no joke. I don't believe it. I swear to God, it's absolutely true. We got so emails, much, tweets, yeah, uh, so much about when's part two going to come up because I, I believe we ended the podcast with you saying in a horrible way, <laughs> no, 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 a no, great was, way. Yeah, it was an inspiring way. Yeah, it got it got people thinking. I I, I believe the sentence you said to Adam <laughs> oh, was somewhere along the lines of. Uh, so you've booked as many gigs in the last two years as a dead guy. Yeah, and I got to be honest, that was one of the best drives home, <laughs> drive home that I've had in a long time. That won't inspire a guy to come and want you to manage him. Uh, that yeah, that was that yeah. But you know what? That did uh, open my uh, my head up to some stuff. And coincidentally, I am uh, I just tested for my first show ever, which is kind of crazy because I've been professionally, I think, auditioning and having a lot of opportunities for i'd say three to four years now where like every pilot season i'm i've gone out for like i'm going out for everything and and most everything is at my disposal and so i finally tested um that's awesome it was great and it was for uh it's a ken jong mtv show i know yeah. well and uh i used to represent ken jong did you really oh of course yes. i mean he's done jesus anything in this business unbelievable so of course barry catch representative up to uh after um locked up Wow. Uh, he was, yeah, the knocked up was the. Knocked up is what broke him. Yeah, that, and then, then we stopped working together. But, but Wonderful I will guy. say this. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable man. And I, you, you will rarely hear me say this. Totally deserved. Because I, 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 I felt that. And, you know, there's certain artists you work with and you, you don't really, um, understand why they there's certain things that don't happen and ken was a guy who was an incredibly talented yeah. uh, uh actor incredibly talented comedian too but didn't go on as much and he was a doctor they called him dr ken young right. junk ken jung sorry and um he was an amazing doctor and he had just as much as 
comedians and people who hung around him loved him and yeah. relied on him to be such a wonderful friend and whatever. He was he out had with this his incredible patients. practice with these clients that he had. A little Patch Adams-esque or no? I believe so, yes. Yeah. And so he had this practice that was, I would say, thriving and that people really relied on, elderly people, young people. And he was married to this amazing woman, which I'm sure he still is. Mm-hmm. And so he had two other lives that were, you know, normally comedians, if you notice, uh, all of you who are listening, and this is uh, sad to say for the state of of marriage, and I'm not saying it to be hurtful, but most comedians, uh, if they, they don't break when they're married or when they're in a really, really tight relationship, they break when they're single and they have their mind all clear. And then after they make it, they tend to get married when they got it all figured out. Yeah, then they settled down. But Ken was married beforehand, and he had this practice, and he couldn't he couldn't do a lot of things. He couldn't. There's not a lot of time left for the entertainment business. Yes, if you've got so a marriage and a practice. And so I always felt that he should quit the practice oh, and concentrate full time on the acting and the stand up. Right, because you really don't care if people are sick or. <laughs> Nothing like that. Oh, went. my God. He's firing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's firing the salvos. I mean, inch for inch, this guy's one of those powerful guys. That You know what? That's how I should be brought up on stage. Yeah. Inch for inch. <laughs> inch for inch, one of the strongest comedians out there. Yeah. Oh, and then sounds like a Dom Herrera intro. You know yeah. what? I feel bad. I just had the fire back again. It's horrible. Yeah. I'm Don't, so sorry. Yeah, but this Don't is a good relationship. Bad. This is like what... Um, remember that scene in Jerry Maguire when Jay Moore at the end, he looks at... Uh, um, who is it? Uh, um, uh, old ex, the quarterback. After he sees oh, Cuba, gosh. no, he sees uh, Cuba and Jerry hug it out after the big game. And uh, Drew Bledsoe, Drew Bledsoe goes, right. "Why don't we have that relationship?" <laughs> and Jay just like kind of looks down and then tries to give him a hug, and he goes, "Get the fuck off me!" <laughs> yeah. So I'd say people, that was you know, one of the first big breaks for me as a manager with Jay. Is that whole situation? Oh my god! We'll talk about that in okay, a second because yeah. I want to finish. Please, this. that's right. a great. So Ken, you know, was just. I I just felt I couldn't... I'll tell you the most similar thing that I can say to a person that I didn't manage and I wanted to work with, but I I never did, was Justin Willman. Because every time I would meet Justin Willman, and I probably met him probably five different times to to think about working together or whatever. Uh, And for those of you who don't know, he's an extraordinary magician and uh, artist and uh, really, really special guy. But his name was just incredible. That's what he changed his name to. And he did hundreds and hundreds of colleges and shows as just incredible. And so he had changed his name from Justin Wilman to just incredible. I kept telling him, look, man. I don't think you're ever going to get where we need to go if you're going to be just incredible. I don't think anybody is going to take you seriously. Granted, you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars in this young person's market Mm -hmm. and doing kids' parties and things like that. But, you know, you're a guy who's an actor or whatever. I I think you should figure out a way to go into a different way and do this. But he never would change the name. And then he finally did, uh, but we weren't working together. So you think, like, he was taking away from... Really putting who he was out there because he was behind yeah, a, it's, uh, it's, a stage it's al- name. It's almost like you know, I, I hate to say this, but almost like uh, when when comedians that you know are 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 gay, but the world doesn't know they're gay, and we all know those people, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of them that are really really talented, 
And you notice the people who really start breaking as comedians are the ones who just say, fuck it, I'm just going to tell the world who I am and yep. what I'm doing. Yep. Nick Swartzen is a great example of that. The guy was hiding uh, where he was in his life for a long, long time, and it was holding him back, and Todd Glass, another one. And you notice, like, once they start, you know, once somebody just actually is truthful about themselves, they can be truthful about their art, truthful about their acting, truthful right. about what they're doing. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and both of them are are doing incredibly well. Well, yeah, it's it's you have that weight on your shoulders that you can never get off and that you can never truly think clearly because you have this burden in the back of your head of, sure, I, 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 I want to write this joke, I want to do this project, but what does it do for... The image I'm trying to create. It's true, Brad, and I just wish you'd finally come clean. Yeah, yeah, Brad. Let's take this moment of the podcast. Well, you know, listen. I know the rumor started when I moved up to San Francisco, (laughs) and uh, maybe a few months before when I uh, had a collection of mesh tank tops. But uh, (laughs) you did accidentally buy a half tee. Did you I tell did. Barry that yet? Oh, no. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I did buy a half tee. <laughs> How do you accidentally buy half a t-shirt? Listen, I mean, how do you maybe I'm asking the wrong guy. All right. Like, did I, you accidentally uh, <laughs> suck a... Uh... <laughs> hey, it was there. Uh, Brad's, Brad's always been a like, hey, man, I'm not going to turn down a free... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a good friend. If, yeah. if, so, if, if someone's depressed and they, and, and they want to... You really can't up. argue with that. Yeah, but I just—I'm sorry. We can talk about your coming out a little bit later. So, yeah, yeah. So I just okay, want to so. say about Ken Jung. So I blame myself because he was wonderful, great guy, incredibly talented, and I—I I guess because of the fact that he had this dedication to this wonderful career, and I was pushing the other way, and I just—I think I pulled back because I thought that well, he isn't making a full commitment to this. And maybe sure. I wasn't. And so that's one of the few times in my management career where I know that I wasn't a great manager and he is a great person. And every time I see him, I, I just, I mean, I love the guy. And maybe, who knows, I, I hope he still feels comfortable with me when he sees me. I'm He's sure. wonderful to I'm me. Sure. But sure I does. just... I want him to... Just- well, I think this is his first stab, I think, at a scripted show for him where he's yeah. the... Because it's Ken Jong Made Me Do It is the you know, title right now, but... um. And so you tested... So I tested it, so I had never tested before. I went in initially... And how many people were testing? Three. Do you recognize the other two? Yeah, one of them is a good friend of mine. Can you mention his name? Uh, yeah, Jeff Dye. Jeff Dye, of yeah. course. Yeah. Tremendous. And yeah. he's another guy, if we can talk about you this for a second, yeah. that I work with, but I want to say... And he was the third guy? Don't know that third guy's name, but it is now down. I'm going back on Wednesday, and it's now down to myself and the other guy. So Jeff is out. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about Jeff for a second. Yeah. Okay. Again, another amazingly Amazing nice talent. guy, yep. talented, sweet. Mm-hmm. I, Wonderful I, cheekbones. I don't think... Very attractive. One of the best looking... Thank you for... You see, I'm telling you, he's, he's coming there. He's, yeah. he's, and by the end of this podcast... He'll Brad be sucking be a headshot of Jeff's dick. <laughs> and he'll be wearing the half... The accidental half tank top. The accidental... He'll <laughs> just be on at some point. Why not? I remember this distinctly as this podcast today being much funnier than the last oh, good. one. good. Good, yeah. The last one was... Uh, I, I left the podcast. I really felt like shit because Did I you felt really? like... Yeah, because you've spoken you, like a true person in the business. How many times you walk out of an audition being like, fuck, that was just the worst well, ever. Because you ended the you thing get... on the dead guy. Okay, we got to go. <laughs> what? Oh, what? Hey, what? but the ultimate cliffhanger had you, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're going to address that. So okay. Jeff dies. So, yeah. And uh, who knows if Jeff will talk to me after we talk about this. But I think it's relevant is the fact you have another guy you're testing against who has never booked a scripted 
show in his life. And even he, he was, had no problems uh, saying that to me. Yes. And so, and you know, he goes, I, he goes, I know I rely a lot on my good looks and my natural funny uh, abilities. Yeah. And so, again, these are these things that you have to ask yourself as an artist. Um, and, you know, again, um, with Jeff, you know, you have to look at how much time you dedicate to the craft of acting versus how much time you dedicate to the craft of stand up and how much craft that time you dedicate to the craft of relationships between you and the women you're going out with back and forth and relationships to drinking and partying and doing whatever and yeah. and you add up you only have how many waking hours that you have and it's crazy yeah. i was just on the phone with some the other day i think it was an interview that you read oh and, yeah and and the guy said hey you know i've been doing comedy 13 years mm-hmm. and i said oh that's that's cool could you tell me how many um could you tell me how many hours a week you you know you sort of just fuck around you know you go out you party with your friends you may chase pussy you do whatever, and he was very conservative. He said, "Oh, only about ten hours a week do I do that." Mm-hmm. I said, "Really? Only ten? He said, "Yeah, ten. So I said, "Okay, let's just take the ten. Do you mind?" He said, "Sure. You've been doing thirteen years, right?" He said, "Yeah." Okay, so thirteen years. Okay, so every year, let's just say fifty weeks. Let's give you two weeks off. Every year, 500 hours a year you don't spend working on being the best representation of yourself in your field. Wow. Okay, 500 times 13 years is what? That's 6,500 hours? A little bit of simple math from Barry okay. just really opens your eyes. to So that means doing. that out of the 13 years, uh, I believe that adds up to, uh, let me just bear with me here because I want to make sure I got this right. Yeah. If we'll, so a year, it's about, for every year, it's about, uh, what is that, 13 weeks out of the year you're wasting. I think that adds up to, and then so you go around to 13 years. And chances are he's probably been working around 10 years, not 13 years. Yeah. And so it's like people do that and they don't work on things. And then when they get the test, like you got the test. Oh, I got the test. All right. You get the test. You find out you're testing. Yeah. Okay. You want, you want, I want, I want to hear head? your process right. because, because, because I want to know. Like, yeah. I this know, is a moment I've been ready for. Your whole life you've been training for. And I yeah. know you're serious about this and I know your, your answer is going to change from what it would have been before because I know that you've dedicated probably over 40 to 50 hours so far on this. This audition? Yes. I'll tell you what happened. It's actually, um, if it, and I, I, I'm very confident that I'm going to get this job. Um, And you just have to be. Uh, I think I have been with a lot of my auditions, but this one in particular, I just, um, most of my auditions, I'd say about like 90%, like over the past three, four years, I coach with uh, the guy I take classes with um, or one of the people that work at his studio. And I don't do it for the sake of um, – for other actors that are listening. I don't, I don't sit down and go, please tell me what to do right. I, I, a, it's uh, for repetition to have like – so I'm not reading it for the first time in the room. And B, I, to get an outside uh, set of eyes on you um, – uh, to maybe see things, and there, there are people that know my strengths and weaknesses, and know that like if I'm not getting specific on certain things, um, and it's helped on numerous auditions. Where I've, I always go in, also having done that type of work. Uh, in addition to the work I do on my own, feel very prepared, and being, feeling prepared for me is huge. 
Um, and uh, that's whether I go you know, into a podcast and we have a map of what we're going to discuss, even though I don't say, we're going to ask Barry this and then this. But if I have like a structure, same thing on stage. Kirk Fox you know, told that to me early on about stand-up, about having a map and knowing where you're going because I went up there one time and, and it was fine. The set was fine, but I was a little like – I didn't do the whole, like, what do you guys want to talk about? But I didn't seem like I, and he was like, you're the one, like, they're there to hear you take them on the journey. So don't, like. And put a pin in this for one second. I will. Please don't miss, what don't. I know, I'm locked in right now, but yeah. I wanted to okay. say this about Kirk Fox. Yeah. Sometimes with, with artists, they're so locked in in acting that they won't leave town. They won't go out to town to be booked for the hours. Yeah. Kirk Fox is one of those guys, he doesn't want to leave town. So when it came time to just doing his hour, and to preparing for the hour, he realized something. He can only focus on 20-minute segments at a time because he never really had done the full hour in a long, long time. Because oh, he, shit. every time he leaves town, he feels like he misses an acting opportunity or whatever. So sometimes there's a balance. And, and although his hour special was wonderful that we shot in Santa Barbara. I, I can't. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about all that. So, so if you're listening, coming up on the podcast, uh, the special is the Barry shot with Jay Kirk and uh, and Brad as well as and the, Ben Glebe and Ben Glebe. That's right. Yep. Um, all wonderful people and the Jerry Maguire Jay Moore story we're going to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So I usually always uh, coach to get that. Uh, pre- I just feeling prepared in the room and um, there's been a hand towards the you know and the lack of booking as we discussed at the end of the last uh, uh, podcast. Uh, started to make myself and my acting coach think maybe you're over preparing. Maybe you're, you know, and my manager uh, at the time, and I even brought that up, he's like, maybe you just trust, like, what you're doing. Like, maybe you're coming in with your own shit. Like, maybe, are, are you get telling these are these people telling you exactly what to do? I was like, no, they're throwing some things at me, and then ultimately I'm walking into the room and, and taking what I want, and I've gotten good at just throwing that away and being present and doing it. And um, so for this particular audition, I was going to coach, and I looked at the sides, and it's uh, this cocky, douchey, aging frat guy bartender who deep down is like a good guy. And uh, I haven't thought, well, I don't even have to prepare for this. I mean, you know, <laughs> frat guy, aging, all right, fuck off, you know, but uh, 32, I feel like I'm fine. Uh, I did sprain my ankle playing basketball uh, a few weeks ago, but, you know, uh, in my defense, I was wearing sneakers and not basketball shoes. Um, so uh, is there a difference? Yeah. Oh, low top, the ankle support. I had no ankle support. Uh, so I, I told myself, I was like, you know, for this one, I like, I know that I, I, I immediately just like connected with it. And I was like, I'm not going to coach on this. It's the, the sides were short enough. There was enough room to, to, and I always play a little bit improv wise for comedies because I feel like that's a, a strength of mine that I want to show in the room. Not a lot, you know, early on I would do it a lot. And I was told too, Hey, I did it in a producer session once where I improvised a lot and they were very upset with me because they were like, the writers were there. That was a big fuck you to them. Um, so I learned from that, but with pre-reads, well, in that situation, I, I always advise that you go in and you, you do, do it their, their way, way yeah, once. Yeah. And then you say, Hey, listen, you know, just for the hell of it, do you have another minute? And I, I just totally, I, I thought I'd just do it something totally. a little different way to show you. It was also a network show. And I feel like there's less of that improv going on than there would be in a, in an MTV scripted show. So uh, I do my thing. It's great. I walk out and the casting director I know, and she, uh, What's was the casting director's name, Barbara McCarthy. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great, and um, uh, I'm like, well, I'm for sure getting a call back, but you know, you don't know. I didn't hear for a little bit, then go back for uh, the producers, writers, and the director, Peter Siegel. Um, Seagal? Right? Sure. <laughs> I, I think it's Siegel, but yeah. I could be wrong. Okay. So uh, I go in, there's nine dudes, and again, this is where all the stand up. That's what editing is for, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
again, this is where stand up and acting go hand in hand, and why I think uh, you know even before that callback, my mom was giving me shit because she's like, I had three shows that night before the callback at ten thirty in the morning. I was like, she's like, don't do those shows. Go get a good night's sleep. I go, mom, having these great shows the night before carries into the next day for me if uh, otherwise i'm sitting in a relationship with your mom where you discuss your career all the time with she is so curious and she's so supportive Can i just look at the tag on your shirt real quick why <laughs> i want to see if your name and address is written <laughs> she did do that when i went to camp in the sixth grade and it was the most Barry's embarrassing shit of my entire life he's firing at all at all of us he's i'm playing. sorry i hey, don't know what, what happened i mean if you want to hear the backstory of why i'm so close with my mom we can get no i want to hear podcast. that all right so she uh she just loves to hear about too and she loves she living vicariously she want to be doing yeah, this and, and and we had her on the podcast yeah. by open seattle and if you get a free hour you should listen to it and you'll I know will. exactly she's where i'm coming from me now. Yeah. No. <laughs> she's gonna love you i love you mrs ray if that's your real name her last name is cox now c-o-x cox, yeah okay. ray is cooler to me um but uh she um so she's like, don't do the shows. I'm like, that's going to help carry you to the next day, whatever. I do the uh, callback, the uh, producers and writers. Uh, it's, the, you know, just uh, having fun, joking in the room. I don't always try to, like, do that when I enter the room, but, like, it felt natural. Peter immediately brought up, oh, you know, Paul Feig. I was like, I was actually just at a dinner party this place last week. So that was a nice um, a common bond. We talked about Paul, went in some stories. They... Um, they commented on how they really liked some of the improvs I had done on the pre-read, and then I joked about that and how, you know, it was whatever. It was having a good time. Then did the read, crushed, right? Improvised some different stuff that I didn't do from last time. Um, we just had a really nice time. It was just a, a clear, like, hey, this would be awesome if we all worked together. I walk out from that being like, all right, well, I should definitely probably come back after this. But again, you don't know because I've had several auditions where I've walked out with the exact same feeling and nothing's happened. Um you know, that's how I walked out of the Heat auditions and also, but in my head was like, well, that's going to go to somebody who's big and famous. So again, proving the point, you just don't know. So then go to the test and I'm feeling very uh, confident, but then now, start for to- those of you who don't know when you test, yeah. uh, even if you test for cable, you normally test first for the, uh, the studio now with MTV, you said MTV. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes MTV has their own production company, their in-house production company to do it. And it's a rare thing that sometimes you go, you only have to go to one test, but normally you go to the studio test first. Right. And then, like he said, uh, some people are eliminated, uh, which happened. That is a, a consistent process, part yes. of the process. Okay. And then you go to the, um, the network and, um, and they are brought their choices by the studio and the producer. So they determine to drop one. And to take their they're giving us new sides choices. is now what they're doing too. They give new sides, yeah. and I can guarantee you <clears throat> one thing I know from being in this process. Yeah, they know who they want. The network doesn't know who they want, but they know who they want, and they will position the person they want in a way to get the gig. And that's normally the way it is. And if you aren't the person who is positioned to get the gig, you can still get the gig. Nice. Yeah, you you go in there and uh, as, as you say, Barry, you create a problem. You well, create a problem. I felt like I was undeniable in this test, and I no joke. I'm not even joking. I'm I walked being heckled by my own devices. <laughs> undeniable. I, wa- I walked out uh, shortly after thinking that because you know you, uh, you that term has penetrated uh, most of our brains. And well, but you see how this podcast comes first full circle. For sure. Brad, we talked about penetration earlier, <laughs> and now we're we're just trying to. I'm just trying to get on his level. Yeah, no pun all, intended. We're all, we're all taking it uh, in different ways, and that <laughs> may be the most accurate statement I've ever said. Uh, so there's like now there's like how 20... can you not know the other guy you're testing against? Not that it matters because he's a, he's an actor. He's not a comic, and oh. the stuff he. Uh, 
I think I I walked into that room uh, and I uh, the, the one of the I didn't we did a work session prior. I didn't improvise a bunch with the, Ken. No, with the girl who's playing my girlfriend in the show already, who's been cast, and uh, and Peter. And is she a comedian or an actress? Actress, or? got it. Yeah. And did you have good chemistry with her? Yeah, I felt fine. We didn't we didn't play a lot. We improvised a lot. And after I walked out of the work session, I, I was I was a little weary of why I didn't uh, let loose a little bit more. Now, I'm but, surprised Ken didn't uh, yeah. didn't work with you because he uh, is in the show uh, not as at least in the uh, pilot. Uh, uh, tied to um, my there's not a lot of scenes i have with him i wonder if he'll he'll work with you is one of the te- new test scenes with him i don't know i haven't gotten him yet the test okay. i think is on wednesday and this will be on uh, monday that's so, another thing they do to you which is so bizarre and i would odd. love to have had the size already yeah and everybody else has the same question all the time it's like why don't they give the actors the sides when they write the side they're not writing the sides on monday but they give them to you on Monday. It's almost like they're fucking with you. Here's uh-huh. two days. Sure. Make it happen, pal. Yeah, they want to see, yeah, for sure. They want to see how you can uh, respond to that. And when you, if you actually get cast in the show, they'll give it to you with advance so you have time to prepare and time to come with your best stuff. So why wouldn't they do that for the audition? I, I don't know, but... So I go in, I make, I make, yeah, <laughs> I make one little comment uh, to kind of like you know uh, just warm the room up. What's get, that comment? We're gonna go. Yeah, I see everybody. I go. Yeah, the band's back together. They kind of laugh. I go. Weirdest entrance ever. Let's just do this. They all laugh again. I uh, look down. They were all ready to go. So I kind of felt it out. Like, is it going to be a little? Because I hadn't been in a test room before. Producer sessions, pre-reads. I know how much banter you can maybe right, offer up. So this is another thing I want. Let's talk about. Sure. So there's three slots for this role. Three and three people testing. Yeah, and they tested uh, another part. Three people before me, so That's I was true. the last of the day. That's true. Yeah. And normally they do the last one of the day for the ones that they're most excited about and is most important to them. And Ooh, okay. The ones earlier are the ones they could, you know, whatever it, okay. it builds. Yeah. So you got three people testing. This is fascinating. Okay. I'm the last of the three. Yes, you are. Do you know why? Why is that, Barry Katz? Because you're being positioned to get the gig. Ooh. Oh shit! Oh, I see the goosebumps forming on Mr. Ray's skin right now. Who went first? Um, the the I think the guy who I am up with next. Yes. Who, yeah. So he got the shitty spot. The first spot <clears throat> is the shittiest spot. Now, I want to share this with you. Even though the first spot is the shittiest spot, if you deliver in that first spot, you set the tone. You look. You could bury everybody. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like you could just destroy everybody if you get the tone right and you get things right how it is. Even though it's the worst spot, it's like sometimes when you're on a show, let's say, whatever it is, the improv, and you're thinking, "Hey, here's this first guy who goes on." Not a, not a not a show where there's an opener, middle, or a headline. No, like a just comedy a showcase show, show where there's yeah, like three or four show. people yep. and. Mm-hmm. And somebody goes on first, and you're thinking, ah, oh, fuck, that guy had the shitty spot. And yeah, then he right. goes on and gets a standing ovation, and you're like, holy shit, this is, uh, this is on, and sometimes the whole game is over. Yeah, right. But normally, that's the toughest spot to do. Well, I, pre- I don't know what you prefer, Brad, but I, I actually, when I saw that he was going first, and they told me I was last, I got really pumped up to know that, like, it's mine to lose. You're like, the headliner, I'm gonna, brother. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go in and, like... Yeah, that's when the comic part of you kicks in. You're like, All right. yeah, it's the cleanup spot or the yeah. uh, the the pressurize. It's t- two strikes, full count. Mm-hmm. 
you know, no fear. Uh, so now I, I want you to know, like, when you go in here for this next one, don't have in your mind, like, if they have you going first, no, that it's bad, whatever, no, no. because they might have you going first because the network says, hey, and I know it's rare, but the network say, hey, might say, hey, rotate them. Mm-hmm. You know, what it was the last time, let's rotate for them, sure. whatever. Just so to you, see. Some things you might not have control yeah. over. Um, yeah. So I, uh, you know... Uh, the the uh, one of the uh, producers or creators who was reading with me with with the girl who's already been cast he goes hey I know I wasn't uh, didn't get to uh, be here for the work session but just let's really play like just I'm gonna improvise with you throw some stuff like let's really like see what can happen which here. is very rare because normally the casting director reading with you is like a functionally autistic person <laughs> I mean they just they literally give you nothing and, yes and, and Barry used to work with children with with special needs so he's allowed to make that most of them were casting directors I remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but Barry Barry's exactly right they don't give you a lot a because that's not their world and B they Mm-hmm. They, you know, what's, I don't know, they want to give, uh, see how you can work with very I'm little. I'm so excited for you. Thank you, Barry. So I go in there, I, uh, the, the I'm improvising up a storm, but all very much in context of, of the script, and I'm keeping it tight. Then the reader, or one of the creators starts throwing stuff at me. Him and I start bantering. Then the, the, the girl who's been cast, we start having some stuff. I start doing callbacks on some of my improvs. It, it's just I couldn't have been more locked in and also getting lots of laughs. And also you're taking a big risk in a room like that to improvise. And because because I'm not doing a lot of them, every line is like a choice of like this is a joke that I've chosen to say. And if it if it fails in front of all these people, then they see you be like, OK, well, he, that's his that wasn't very, you know, it, it's it speaks bigger volumes if it doesn't work. But they all hit. And then I call back, and then we had a great – Peter gave me a little bit of advice in the coaching session, which I did. I think it was the one thing I took from that where um, a moment at the end, and I did it, and it got a, a giant laugh. And then instead of just, like, ending the scene on that, I kept going with the girl and, like, added on my own improv after that. So it was almost like – and in my head as I started to do that, uh, I was like, oh, man, you should have gotten off on that big laugh. But then we had a little more dialogue. And then another funny moment, and then it gave me an opportunity to call back to another improv I did, which got an even bigger laugh, and then I just walked out. And I walked out being like, I heard you were undeniable. I heard that in my head. and uh, That means the world to me. Yeah, and it was, uh, it was an incredible feeling. And, and that to me is always, and I think I mentioned this on the last podcast, to feel like you did your best. You know that, Brad. Yeah. It's like is, you get to a point where like, you're like, that's all I can control. So like, to f- knowing that I, wa- that I walked out being like, all right, I gave my best version of that. Like, I think that guy, I was him, uh, and and that's what I would, you know. And if they don't like that, then I can't control that. But um, I at least felt good that I, you know. Did you, did you did, now? Did you feel that this sort of audition, in terms of how you approached it or how you felt, totally, was, and the fact I didn't was, co- was like different. Well, then I started thinking to myself, I mean, well, because I didn't coach, remember at all, and I didn't mm-hmm. like, get any outside. I just went in being like, you know what you're doing, and uh, and so that was, and the fact that like. Who knows? It, I, it could have just. So you're I think there is some. <laughs> no, he did prepare. I think right. I, in all the preparing I did, I was prepared. I didn't need to. You just didn't use a coach. Which, yeah. You know that's. You know, look, that's totally up to the people. I always believe that if you have the money before every audition, yeah, take a take a hundred dollars and hire a guy to work with you an hour beforehand. Yeah. So you just walk in and you're there. But yes. you know, you you've. You've had a lot of times when you've done that. It hasn't it's worked. Thousands so of now you're, doing so now you're trying something a little different. Now, the thing that worries me is once you get this, and you will get this gig, you're going to get this gig. Thanks, buddy. Barry has made it so. I feel confident. 
Well, you know, the thing is, as I always say this, it's better to be positive and be wrong than be negative and be right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. So, but I'm positive. I got a good feeling about this. The thing is, is that I, you know, I did a podcast with Carol Leifer and she said, wow. you know, I, I, I did, uh, I met with Jerry and Larry David and I did my interview and I, and I got the gig writing for Seinfeld and producing eventually. And later on, she asked, you know, why, why did you hire me? There were so many great people that came in. This is Carol talk asking Jerry and Larry. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> and they said, we wanted to hire people who were an easy hang. People who you can hang out with and feel like they were just great people. There's a lot of talented people out there, but you just want to be with people who, when you walk on the set, you're like, ah, everything's going to be okay. That is a big part of it, huh? And yeah. so, and so, uh, they know that you're a good guy. Pete has spoken to your friend, Paul Feig. Paul Feig. Um, and so, I can guarantee you they've spoken. And he might not, Paul might not be like, hey, I don't, you know, I can't say that if he's going to get this or not, but I will tell you this. You will never have a problem with Adam Ray, and he's an amazing person. And if you work with him, you'll get everything you want out of him. And there's a lot of talented people in the world, but he's going to be add to your great set. Oh, man. Adam Ray's a good hang. <laughs> yeah, hey. Pretty sure that's going on. I'll make that shirt. Sure. Yeah. yeah. The half shirt. <laughs> I don't know if you want a good hang on a half shirt. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's it'll a, be half a hang. Yeah, I don't know if that's the vibe you want to. Put or it'll out. be a Jewish full hang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very but, topical with Yom Kippur just happening. That's right. That's yeah. Right. But I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you, Adam. That when Thanks, buddy. there's stuff, when, whenever you, well, because you've heard ever, you've heard the hundreds of thousands of editions oh. that I've told you about that I've been excited for that haven't panned out. Yeah. And so now the fact that this one's kind of going. Granted, it's not happening. Yeah. Yet, but we all feel that it will i mean that, that that's going to be all the hours put in that's all that's all the things you've learned throughout every audition yeah. you, didn't, you, you didn't get a part right away and then forget how to audition it was a, it was a gradual learning process and I, I i feel that a lot of people whether it be acting or especially that we see in stand-up if, if they get a little break a little too soon now they're not they're not putting in that work now. Sure. They, they, they don't know what it's like to go to the open mics, to drive yeah. 40 miles to do seven minutes for no money. If I had gotten discovered at a coffee bean and somebody was like, you got great calves. I'd love for you to be a calf model for Nordstrom Kids magazines. <laughs> I'd be like, A, uh, fuck yes. But B, I don't think my work ethic would have probably turned into what it was because you, you, know, you get some like success early on. I mean, mm -hmm. like, have you had clients that have had that happen to where you've seen them, you know, uh, they, they – they, uh, they're getting a lot of yes men and a lot of big head stuff happen early. So then they're like, all right, well, I guess all that work I was going to put in, I don't have to now because people tell me I'm great now. That's one of the probably the biggest problems for me as a manager when I work with people is that I, you know, I've always worked to try to have people uh, leapfrog over steps and processes. And that's normally what's happened because if you're a manager and you can do the right things and you have the right kind of relationships – and you have a person who's capable of going into a room and making it happen. Yeah. You can leapfrog over so many people, but then there's a sense of entitlement. You know, once you fly, Adam, once you start flying first class, you're never going to go back to coach. Now, I'm an anomaly because I go back to coach. 
Because why don't you go back to coach. I'll tell you why. I, the house in Malibu, Barry. Barry, Barry don't don't get me wrong. I, I fly. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> but the point being is that I just like. I don't know what it is. Sometimes you feel like a. Sometimes you feel like a. You feel like if you're on a flight to Montreal, let's say. Yeah. And you're you know the just for last festival and. The other uh, last year, uh, I was there, and you know, you're you're in first class, and there's like, I don't know, there's twelve seats, and then there's like a hundred people walking past you who you know who are like, and it just it's it makes you feel like sick to your stomach, like what an asshole you are sitting oh, here. Wow. So this yeah. past year, when I was actually brought up by the festival, I said, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna fly with the chickens like everybody else." <laughs> Because I can put my seatbelt on, I can sleep through anything. So, yeah. and 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 that's what I did. I said I don't care because Cause it I, made you feel more comfortable. Oh yeah, I yeah. felt so. You got off that awful. plane being like, all right, I'm I'm I'm, I'm one, one of the, I'm, I'm one, one of, of everybody, yeah. mm-hmm. and I, which which I which I want to be. And then the other time, I was like, ugh. It definitely is, is more relatable. Speaking as uh, somebody who's uh, you know not in the representation world, but like we, if you're. We know the weight you guys carry, but like to a move like that is if I looked over and saw that, I'd, an, I'd immediately have. I mean, I, it would put me at ease and make me more comfortable to like talk with you afterwards. Yeah, if I, I didn't know and you. So, but anyway, once yeah. you start flying first class, you're never going to go back. <laughs> and that's what happened with Brad. Uh, well, <laughs> I, but actually, uh, economy plus is first class for Brad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I can't tell the difference. It's like, hey, there's uh, eight inches of more legroom. Don't give a shit. <laughs> See, it's all, don't care. It's, see, it's all about the inches in this podcast. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm fine. I mean, I mean do, do, you, do you get an ice cream sundae? Okay, that's a perk we can talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's something that, that that's something that <laughs> appeals to me. But wait, so so the Jay Moore thing. I think this is ties right into this. So oh, Jay, yes, so that was. I should mention to your audience that you know we're here on a Sunday. Yeah. In my office. Big time, and, by the way. Thank and, you. And this is incredible because uh, literally, it's 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 like a. Um, <laughs> Fucking it's, sauna. It's like a beef factory. Or it's like it is so way, hot. Uh, beef factory would be an excellent name for a male strip club, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure all three of us could work in right now because we're just sweating and we're gl- and we're glistening. And there's a lot there's a lot of sexy going on in this room. What's right now. what's the wardrobe requirement? I do half not tees? look good in a half shirt. Frankly. <laughs> well, don't worry. I well, not with that you. attitude. Uh, <laughs> I have skills. But Actually, yeah. I look good in a half shirt if it starts from the waist and goes up. <laughs> Damn. Just covers the abs. It covers the abs, or or should I say, ab? (laughs) But it's like so hot in here. It is. It's cooled down. uh, uh, You definitely lowered the blinds, but it's it's still beef factory. It's yeah. It is. I've never been in one, but when you said that, I was like, yeah, that's exactly what this is right now. You know that sweat that you see people have above their lip when they're nervous. Mm. That's what. That's that's all this. We're in that right now. (laughs) We're in upper lip sweat. We are in upper lip sweat. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I think we're opening at the true. Upper lip sweat. Yeah, upper lip sweat. So they're opening for Beef Factory. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, a, it, it's a it's a great it's a great one to punch. Uh, uh, Barry, I, I want to say this because I've been with you. You've been my manager now for less than a year, or maybe about a year. Yeah, about a year. A, 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 about that. And this is what I want to say to the people that about you always say turning no's into yeses. Been in this industry for ten years and was kind of just doing my own thing. Within the last year. Of having Barry Katz as my manager. Let's let's go down, okay? Uh, one pilot for NBC didn't get picked up. Whatever, not bitter. Uh, you did a pilot. How many people haven't even done a pilot? 
bit. Two got an hour long comedy special, which will debut. We don't know what network quite yet, but we're very confident. Probably either a Showtime or a Netflix or something. By the way, been turned down three times from Comedy Central for a half hour special. Wow. Barry Katz, fuck you. I'm going to get you the hour special. And then, can I say real quick, by the way, you said Netflix and Showtime, don't count out PAX, because I know (laughs) that they do a lot of Christian, like, you know, know gospel programming, but hey. I've got a slot open after the U-Log on the Weather Channel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the U-Log Channel. Let's do that. Let's have a whole Christmas theme. You have a U-Log, you have an elf doing comedy. I like that back-to-back. Hour special. But yeah, uh, hour special. And then now having my, being a part of a morning radio show in... San Francisco. And most importantly, also four inches taller. Four inches taller. Who knew? I'm now, That's I'm now. really what Barry Katz offers. Growth, not only in your career, but in your presence. In your pre- <laughs> he took me from baby gap to kids gap. I can now. I- By the way, if, oh my God, Barry Katz took me from baby gap to kids gap yeah. is a great way to describe how fruitful this relationship has yeah. been. But how do you take a, how do you take a guy and and maybe and, and not just me because you've done this a thousand times in your career? How do you take a guy where they've only been able to get to some point, but you see that potential and then you take them to the next level and you start turning those no's into yeses? How do you do that? What what's your what's your philosophy when 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 you're Are you asking for you specifically or oh no just uh, uh just in general because I, I i'm i'm sure you've had a I, i'm sure you had a lot a well lot let's go comments. with the, let's go with the jay moore one because you mentioned okay. that, that jay moore, that you were there him getting jerry Maguire was his the break for both of you guys that working was together. that was that was a big moment but do you mind if i just address that Please. real quick yeah. so brad just got on his knees which scares me uh he's like praying at a pew right now <laughs> um so or he's having a flashback to two weeks ago when he first got the radio gig and they were like brad <laughs> if you really want your own segment, there's some things you're going to have to get done for us. And 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 you know what? I the first first rule of improv is yes and. <laughs> so you're I, holding that mic, by the way, just like something else. Somebody. W- <laughs> All right. So I I went, I went full Texas yeah, tornado. No, but yeah, be comfortable. Uh, just ju- ju- just to just to address that question. No, I will because I think that the first thing. I'll, I'll just take you for an example. I okay. met with you, and I just I don't know what it was. I just got. <sighs> There's certain artists that are willing to let go and let God. They mm-hmm. say, okay, I've done it my way for a long time. And, you know, I'm sitting on your couch here 10 years in for a reason. It's because maybe that shit hasn't gone as well as I thought it would go. Maybe I'm not mm-hmm. at the point where I thought I was supposed to be. And I'm willing to look at things a different way, try things on a little differently. And so when I meet with an artist who's who's malleable and who's willing to like say, okay, I'm ready to let go here. Just tell me with my talent and your talent what we can do. Um, that that excites me. What What's harder for me as a manager is when you meet with somebody who's great. I'll give you an example of something that happened to me, and I'm not saying that he wanted me to manage him. I, I don't. I, I can't comment on that in sure. the, one way or the other. But I was at an HBO uh, something, whether I don't know what it was, about ten years ago, and Dane had just done his first HBO special, um, the one, the the only one, vicious, vicious circle, circle yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And I was in one of those tents where you're in with all the talent and everybody's around. And I got a tap on the shoulder. I turn around. It's George Lopez. Mm. And George has always been a guy that I will say this, you know, to anybody listening. When George Lopez went on stage at the Laugh Factory before anything happened with George Lopez, within three minutes, an 18-wheel truck could fall through the ceiling and you wouldn't even know it. I mean, the guy was killing and getting ovations like 30 seconds. And he was like a... Wow. He was like a guy who just destroyed every time. And sometimes I don't even think he knew exactly how he was doing it. Some artists don't really know. Dane was one of those guys would go on immediately be crushing. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, John, the late John Panette was one of those yeah, guys. Um, and, there's, and there's many more. And that's one of your uh, philosophies, right? by the way, I think I've heard you say, is that to really know when you're ready to make that jump. If you Was it crush, kill 10 times at the big clubs? Mm-hmm kill 10 times in a row where every single person in that room, every person who works there, even the comedians that hate you say, Hey, that was the, that was the best set of the night. Yeah. If you do that 10 times in a row, it's Good all going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So George, I turn around, I say, Hey George, how you doing? I hug him and he takes, he's written his phone number on a piece of paper, ripped off piece of paper and he stuffs it in my shirt and he says, call me. Let's get together. Now, again, I don't know what that means. You know, that could mean a number of different things. But it certainly doesn't mean, hey, pal, guess what? I don't value anything you have to say. Right. Right. Um, And so, and I'm embarrassed to say for all those listening uh, on this podcast, I did not make that call. Uh, I did not make the call. I did call him later just to say, Thanks. It was great meeting you, whatever. And But I did not engage him in the way that I could have engaged him. Now, that's not to say that, you know, he would have said, Bear, I'm not interested in you representing sure. me. I just wanted to get together <laughs> with you. But the fact is, I didn't push him to get together with him. And when you're, I'm a very persistent person and I can be very persistent when I want to do in certain situations. And when somebody comes to you, it's like, it's like everybody out there, like when you walk into a gym, and you haven't been to a gym in a while, and you walk in, you meet with the manager, you know, chances are you want to work out. You want to start working out. You made a decision. And I didn't push trying to work with George because, I don't know, there was this weird thing. Like, I felt like he already did it. He already did it with somebody else. Mm -hmm. He made it happen with somebody else. He was already there. At this time, he had the show. He He had just finished finished the George Lopez show, but he was looking for the next thing. Not the the talk show, the scripted show. Was that called the the George George Lopez show? Yeah. Yeah. And I just felt like, well, you know, somebody else has done this. Somebody else got him where he was going to go. So if I do hang with him, he's not going to be so open to doing things like a different way. He's going to want to do things his way. Gotcha. And so I just, so you just was, assumed all that and didn't. And I assume, that's a, that's a great word that I did, which I was wrong about. I assumed, and for all those listening, if you haven't heard it from your mother or Adam's mother, <laughs> that's the that's like that's like the M word for Brad. Assumed. <laughs> it's it's don't use the word. Don't even think it. Mm-hmm. So the point is, for is a Jewish I, mother, assume is by the way like the N or the M word. There you go. Because <laughs> it's like if you would have just said something instead of assumed that I wanted you twenty minutes late for dinner. All right. But yeah, so that's the thing. So I, I, I felt like he was 
already there and wouldn't be as open to it. So sure. I'm always more excited when people are open and excited about doing things as a, uh, possibly having an opinion always of how things should be or how they could be. And Brad came into your office with that type of mentality. He was open, and I just simply said to him, like I would say on this podcast, management is just like a checklist. It's just like the laundry list. It's like, tell me what you want. Uh, well, I'd like my own hour special. Okay. All right. I'd like <laughs> I'd like to Done. have my own radio show. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'd like to. Uh, <laughs> so the radio show, that didn't come up organically. That you said you wanted a radio show. Yeah. Oh, yes, it did. That was one. Wait, of so you said you wanted to be a a morning radio host somewhere. Yeah. Yes. Wow. I didn't even know that. I said that in our very first meeting of uh, me and Barry. I never knew that. Yeah. I thought that just... Uh, now, came up, the opportunity now, now came I want about. to say something else what happens when I work with people, which is hard to believe, and you can't quantify in a court of law, and I could never, it, it sounds like black magic or whatever the hell it is. It's like, when I meet with people, I always say, like, shit's going to happen. Now, I don't know why it's going to happen all the time. I don't know how it's going to happen all the time, but it's going to happen. Because there's something that happens when I think I attach my name to something, and that sounds cocky, and it's not meant to be, that through osmosis or something in the world, sometimes shit just comes around and happens. So the fact that Brad uh, is, is, is doing a radio show, I don't take credit for Brad doing a radio show. What I do take credit for, which can't be quantified in the court of law, is putting it out there in the world and... and, and having the mindset that this is going to happen, Jesus. it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But uh, true to be told, the only thing really I did with Brad is just try to work on getting him the best deal possible from the uh, from the uh, mires of shit that people give you in their first deals <laughs> right. and getting yeah. it to where you need to get it going. But for him, you know, it's it's something that's all about relationships. So that's what I try to do with artists. Now, getting on with the Jay Moore thing. Real quick, Brad was also on that list. Do a podcast with your manager in a fucking beef factory because you've also achieved that. It was. Uh, <laughs> granted, I mean, I, I, I want it to be about 10 degrees hotter. Uh, Barry didn't make that happen, but it was close. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sad close. to say this was not on my bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love this, and I do love that, uh, sitting down with you guys, and it's like it's 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 so... I don't know. It's just really interesting. I can see why so many people love uh, listening to your podcast oh, thanks, and, 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 and doing it. So well, anyway. that's incredible, by the way. That, I mean, I'm you know very impressed and excited that that conversation went down and that those are two giant things, by the way. To get an hour special from uh, – yeah. especially knowing that you said like Comedy Central being so – um, right, they they turned non-responsive. Turned me down three times. My favorite rejection from them was, "We're looking for alternative comics, and you're not alternative enough." And my <laughs> comeback was, "I'm a fucking midget. How wow? How how much more alternative can you get?" Sure. Look, the but, trouble with a lot of these situations, and I, I'll I'll say this, and I hope it doesn't get me in, in trouble, but mm -hmm. there's normally one person in charge of pulling the trigger on a special in most places. Now, if it's a new situation like Netflix, there's a committee besides the head guy. And because it's really important, you're, you're starting off, you're trying to compete. And that's why you notice the first two comedians that Netflix did was Russell Peters and Aziz Ansari. Right. It's no, why did they do those two? Well, you might say, well, Barry, come on. Russell Peters is the biggest, you know, guy in the world doing all the arenas and Aziz, he's on television. But they're both international comedians. Uh, 
Right. They both play in every country in the world. You don't get upset watching one of those people in everywhere in the world. But American comedy doesn't always work everywhere. Yeah. And not to say they're not American, but they they are. But they have that appeal that's Globally. worldwide, yeah. global. And Netflix doesn't only. And uh, that's what. And that's yeah. why those make no mistake about it. That's why those. This, you know. That's why one of those. Now they'll roll out with other specials like Chelsea and things later. But the point is they wanted to launch like that. But like Comedy Central, where it's like, mm-hmm. there's, you, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever, t- I think I have told this, Whitney Cummings, okay? I Former client. Former client, thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> still, fr- still friend? Yeah, I was just talking to her mother actually the other day. Nice. Um, oh, her mother is so, so incredible to me. Um, I'm going to get emotional now. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's all right. So, uh, Whitney, oh, I'm sure she wouldn't want me talking about this because you don't like to think about these situations sometimes, but Comedy Central passed on her doing a premium blend three years in a row. Okay, so that's wow. that's 65, 65, and so here we are going math again, 195 comedians. Okay, so they, they chose 195 comedians before just giving this one girl five fucking minutes and I would get on the phone with the person who was in charge of this and I was very passionate because I rarely you know I don't make calls for premium blend sure you know it's like why am I doing tell our listeners what that was at the time at the time it's just like a live at goth and one of those an evening at the improv one of those shows comedians doing five five or six comedians at the lowest level doing five minutes you know their Mm -hmm. first time doing it yeah and so first credit yeah, and I don't like the call for premium blends. I like to say, look, if you're a comic, if you can't fucking get a premium blend, then maybe we should just all quit the business. You know, and people should find out about you. They should know. People talk about you. You'll get the premium blend. You know, it'll happen. Yeah. But I thought, you know, Whitney, you know, was kind of somebody who was like flying really underneath the radar and needed that extra push. And they passed on me three years in a row. Wow. And by the third year, it was like, I can't. I'm. I've done 22 specials for you guys. I, you know, it's like I've done 22 hour specials. I don't, I mean, I, I represent, don't you, can't you just trust me on this? <laughs> yeah. Even if you've never seen her in your life. Right. And I just said, just put this person on. Wouldn't you just put the person on? Who had you brought to them at the time? Who was like, you know, I, let the, I mean, there's your, so many guys, people. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, you, you, you just look at the your track record, of course. Yeah. And I wasn't, and again, it sounds I don't want to sound like a like a douche. I'm just trying to. T- well, it'd be like questioning Bill Belichick on a on a draft pick. Well, a lot of people are questioning Bill Belichick now. <laughs> yeah, that's bad including example. Tom, including Tom Brady yeah, right now. Two years ago, maybe. But but, yeah. but the point being is that is that I thought that I thought that they would at least say just you know even if she died, you can edit things together where it looks like they're killing. Sure, and I've done that. Yeah. So nothing. So then I just thought of a different route, and I asked her if she was interested in writing for roasts. And she put a package together. It was wonderful. And How did you got, get that idea from just knowing her? She was a ball buster. Okay. She was great. And she had great ideas about She'd come into the office on the couch and sit and talk about so many different things. She was very passionate, very emotional. And for those of you, you know, who don't know anything about Whitney Cummings and, and sometimes you just look at the things on the outside and you look at the product and you don't really know. 
you know, I think I can speak clearly for most people, even whether they love her or whatever they feel about her or don't love her. Hardest working person I think you could ever imagine in your life. I mean, it's like just planning and plotting and when things didn't go the way they were supposed to go, just really, really upset and figuring out how to change and how to fix and how to move things and do things. And so she was always had ideas of how to do things with the goal she she wrote. And then the goal was me. Okay, how do I get her on camera for the roast? And I and somebody did a real great favor for me. And that person, believe it or not, was Tom Arnold. Wow. And Tom Arnold, we just had him on the podcast. Yeah. And Tom Arnold was doing a a roast of um, the guy who owned the Giants or owns the Giants. Tish. Um, Not quite sure his name, but. I should know. Being he's, a, he's a he's a he's a movie producer and the uh, friends with Peter Berg. God, I'm going blank. Anyway, I'm okay. so sorry. You'll we'll, it's all right. You'll edit it. Google he'll, he'll, yeah. he'll, he'll kill, kill me now. Now he's not going to do the my podcast <laughs> because I can't remember what. We'll edit it out. But anyway, the owner of the Giants okay. and whatever and uh, watch him won't even be him. But anyway, so and Tom was doing it for charity at the Beverly Hilton. I said we put. Whitney on for me. He said, I don't know who Whitney is. I, but Tom did something that Comedy Central hadn't done for me. He said, Barry, you know, if you say that she's going to do well, she's going to do well, what's the worst that can happen? And so <laughs> I said, are you filming it for, you know, just archival? He says, yes. I said, can I have the, can I have the Raw footage? He yeah. said, yes. Mm-hmm. And she went on and she fucking stole the whole thing. I mean, it was unbelievable, this, this thing that she did. And then I did something that I, I probably can hurt you with relationships as well as uh, help you sometimes. And I think it's a, 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 it's a very, very um, risky thing. I sent the, uh, the JPEG, the whatever, the quick time yeah. to Doug Herzog at Comedy Central. The president the, of Comedy Central. The president Central. of Comedy yeah. Central, who was the first guest ever on my podcast. Yeah. And um, I got the call about, you know, a week or so later that, she was going to be doing the next roast. Wow. Wow. And then, um, wow. and then, uh, when she was right about to do the roast, I got the call from the executives that weren't, uh, choosing her to do roasts and things saying that they were going to, uh, they weren't going to use her for the roast. They were going to bump her from the roast and they were sorry. Hmm. It was the Larry, the cable guy roast. And, I had a choice then because I knew because I went to Doug, the executives under Doug probably weren't feeling warm and fuzzy towards me. So I decided that the best thing to do was to not call Doug. I could have called Doug. And be like, hey, man. And I could have had it changed. But I realized that now, okay, now I got to play the game. And now I got to play it the right way and do the things the way they wanted me to do it as opposed to how I wanted to do it. And I engaged them all and I said, okay, uh, could you just send me a note that tells me that she's going to do the next roast? And they did. And although that was upsetting to Whitney, it had turned out to be fantastic because the next roast, her first roast ever was of the late Joan Rivers and, and she, the yeah, famous, stole that and one. the famous line, uh, I loved you in the wrestler. <laughs> and then, once she did that roast, what was miraculous that evening is how friendly everybody at Comedy Central was to her. Are you and how kidding? they were taking yeah. all around and Jesus. 
and asking her when she wants to do an hour. And when yeah. she wants to do this, when hey, she wants to do that, will you come, will you come back in the office? <laughs> and I, the and office. from that roast, I stuck to my guns. They wanted to only give her a half hour. I said, we're not doing the deal unless she gets an hour special. So again, leapfrogging over yeah. everything. Because you played the game. Yeah, I played the game, and then I it was about developing her own sitcom as well, and the deal was an overall deal for everything, plus a few more roasts, and uh, it was an amazing deal that we did, and um, and I think that's one of the things that launched, and the people that were at Comedy Central you know, are not there anymore, um, uh, um, but... It's hard when you do those things as a manager because you want to maintain the relationships because in the end, if there's executives listening to this or network people, and this is hard to say around the both of you, but the executives and the people around, they're going to be around. They're always going to be there. Right. Our artists, yeah. one network or the other, they're they're they're. they're but, be but artists are, are are normally volatile creatures for the most part, and they're going to come and go in your lives. Yeah. But you're, you know, Doug Herzog. He doesn't come and go. Yeah, and so, so you couldn't so, burn that. And bridge. so the fact is, and and Doug Herzog on my podcast told me that he was mad at me for five years because of something I did. So uh, you know, and I didn't even know I was he was mad at me. And and that was had to do with something that again, where I sometimes you can say that extra sentence. And, and in his case, I'm sorry to ramble. He did something that was a real honor for me early on in my career. He was developing the Daily Show in the beginning. And he'd hired a guy uh, to be his guy, and he said, listen, we're doing three test shows. Barry, I want you to be one of the guys to come. I want you to watch it, and I'm going to meet you with the afterwards and ask, and tell me your opinion of it. Yeah. And the person that he tapped when I got there to host the Daily Show was Craig Kilborn from SportsCenter. Wow. Right. And I watched the test show, and he took me aside in his office, and he says, oh, so, Barry, what do you think? And I said, um, Doug, uh, you're killing comedy. I mean, Craig Kilborn is killing comedy. I mean, wow. it's like, what are you, what are you doing? This guy's an extraordinary sports center yep. host. Yeah. I mean, the best. But he's not a comedian. He, he's not a guy who's, you know, who knows that world has been up a thousand different shows. He didn't at all, huh? He was only, I mean, he might have had the charisma and and, yeah. and uh, hints of uh, comedic sensibility in, in his sports Reporting, well, but in the sports world, you know, you, you're a god if you have you're any a god sort of if you humor. Have anything yeah, like yeah. that. But in this world, this is a world where you're doing five shows a week, and you have to like bring it every time. And 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 uh, and he said he was mad at me for five years because I'm telling him that. And I said, listen, man, I just, I just, you Be asked honest. me to tell you the truth, yeah. And that's what and that's the thing did. also out there for your listeners. Just because somebody asks you your opinion. <laughs> Doesn't mean they want it. Well, anyone that's been in a relationship longer than a week and a half knows yeah. that. Do I look fat in this? What does that look like? Yeah. My <laughs> uh, longest relationship is with Brad right now. <laughs> and we're still going strong, though, Barry. We're, he- we're uh, silver. Oh, I was talking about my personal relationship. <laughs> okay, Wait, so, well. so when Jay, when the Jerry Maguire thing happened, oh yeah, with Jay, I'm sorry. That's fine. I just that that story uh, because that's one of my top three favorite movies of all time, this, and I'm so curious to hear how. When that when when uh, Jay going in for that, what the conversations are like when he goes in, when he gets it, and then how you're going to build off of uh, Tom Cruise at the height of his movie career uh, and a significant supporting role. How are you going to turn that into? What's Jay's checklist look like at that, and how are you going to get that done? Well, this is what's weird about Jay's checklist. <clears throat> One of the biggest things on anybody's checklist 
he had checked off in his early 20s. He was a cast member on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. But he felt like A-Rod on the bench. (laughs) You know, maybe that's a bad example. Derek Jeter on the bench. He just felt like he wasn't getting in. And then when he would get in, he'd do well. But he was just shut down because Jay, you know, has no filter. You know, he's the kind of guy who just, he's just. That's why we love him. Stream of consciousness. <clears throat> and he'll just say what he feels, and if he feels things aren't going the right way, he'll just go directly to you. And like, what the fuck, man? I don't understand. I killed on a sketch. You cut the sketch. What do you not like me? Is this not the way it's supposed to be? In his first year, he would voice these opinions. Oh, he was just mm-hmm. very. He had a great story once. His first, uh, his first. You know, when you're at SNL, your first meeting ever, they tell you to show up at a certain time, let's say noon or whatever right. it is. And your first meeting is the one where all the writers, all the talent are in a room and the host is there and you're pitching ideas to the Sketches host. for the week, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so the first host, that first show of his first season on SNL was Charles Barkley. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Charles is the head of the table and you're in an office like it's this huge, huge conference table, maybe a lot of tables put together where – Picture a table where I'd say 50 people could fit around the table and then maybe another 25 around the wall could be around the the wall and there's a piano and there's all this stuff and Lauren is at the head of the table. And so Jay is thinking to himself, he's got this great idea he's thought of for Charles Barkley and he thinks to himself, okay, I got to sit next to Lauren because if I sit next to Lauren, then I'll be the first one. Chosen. Yeah. Positioning, yeah. And it's, Positioning. And it's first show. First show. He's going to sit next to Lauren So Michaels. he gets there at 12. Nobody's there. 1 o'clock. Nobody's there. <laughs> Nobody starts showing up till 4, you know, because oh, it's just a laissez-faire <laughs> kind of place. Everybody else knows that that's kind of how it but goes. He, he gets doesn't. to that position by that chair where he knows Lauren will be. Yeah. And he plants himself there. Okay? And Lauren sits down and he says, let's get started. And instead of going to his left where Jay is, he goes to his right. (laughs) And Jay has the anxiety of every single person pitching an idea before him. And he's the last one to pitch an idea. And when you're so gung-ho to deliver first. And And the the anxiety. But the idea he pitched, Barkley versus Barney. And that was the cold open. Oh, my God. And it it made it. It made it. As the cold cold open. That was the first cold open of the premiere episode. Is it safe to say the cold open is one of the premiere spots on that show? Sets the tone. I think so, yeah. yeah, It sets the tone. Now, I I, 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 want to preface this. If it was not the cold open, it was the fake commercial right after the cold open or something. right. Or after the first sketch, yeah. and that, that that first block is the most. Yeah, uh, yeah it's when most people watch, and when they're trying to suck that's as incredible. many balls in as they can. That's that. That's incredible. And, and and he showed up to the gym, you know, where they were doing it with the producer and whatever, thinking that he would have all this input. And literally, he was like, they basically said, "Hey, kid, you know, you want to just stay over on that side?" <laughs> yeah, it was your idea, but we got this now. <laughs> yeah. So he was on SNL. Now this is what was happening. He was yeah. on two years. There was no doubt that he was great. But something that Lauren does, which is fascinating, um, Lauren is a, is a, is an amazing man because he – look, he's been running a show for 40 years and it's still relevant. I mean who can say – I can't even get a show going for four years. I mean every show – I'm just waiting. Well, that's not true. Last Comic Standing. But the, but the fact is is that, that that Last Comic Standing is literally like a, a – a breadcrumb 
in a in 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 the whole uh, state of uh, Texas compared sure. to uh, SNL. SNL. Yeah. I mean, being mm-hmm. Texas. I mean, it's like so. I was saying to uh, the person I just interviewed on the podcast last, Suzanne Daniels, who was the president of the WB and Lifetime and now the president of MTV. Wow. I said, you know, and, and her first job ever, her first job out of college was the assistant to Lorne Michaels. Wow. And, you know, if, if, and I know I'm going in a lot of different places here, but I want to tell your audience, if you've ever read the book that you're supposed to read and you have to read that's been around for about 50 years, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I've read it, yeah. Okay, Should one of the it? things he, yeah, one of the yeah. things he stresses is that align yourself with great people. <laughs> if you're a waiter and you're a great waiter and you have a chance to work at the Cosmic Coffee Shop at 53rd and 8th Avenue or the Peninsula Hotel, work at the fucking Peninsula Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so she she worked there for Lauren. So Lauren has this way about him that he just knows how to run things and do things, and he keeps everybody in a position where no one feels greater than the other. And and when they start feeling greater than the other, you tune in the show one Christmas, and after Christmas you notice that Colin Quinn is in the chair and Norm MacDonald isn't in the chair. Yeah. And you wonder why the star of the show isn't in the chair and he's gone. <laughs> It's because, you know, people get a sense of uh, what it is and, and he wants it. So anyway, so what he did with Jay was, and he's done before with many cast members, Jay's extension was up at the end of the year and it was a pickup notice. You had to make a pickup by, I think it was June 15th or something like that, maybe June 1st. And Lauren would call or the business affairs person would call and say, hey, listen, uh, we're looking at a lot of people. We'd like to extend his option 30 days for a free option. So they're not going to commit to bringing him back. They're setting back. We'll, we'll make a decision in yeah. 30 days. We're just going to look at a few things, figure it out. Now, like you told me when I go into the test, they already knew. Do they already know what Jay like with this or they're just buying that some time or? I do not believe Lauren knew. I believe they're just buying time because you never know when they're going to find somebody, look at talent, okay. however they're going to do it. Sometimes I've had clients hired for Saturday Night Live on September 15th, and I've had some hired in April. Yeah. You just never know, and right. there's no system. And when you've been doing it 40 years and you're producing 17 other shows on television, I think you have the right to do whatever the hell you want to do. Yeah, And so... So then I talked to Jay about it, and we said, hey, listen, no problem. Let's just give Lauren the extension. Why not? If we're great, we'll do whatever. So July 1st rolls around. Another call. We'd like to extend till August 1st. Another 30 days. Another 30 days. Yeah. So Jay's like, oh, man, they're not sure about me. Other people are getting picked up. But there were other people getting those options, too. Okay. And I said to him, listen, you know, let's just give him the time. Let's not stress him out. Let's not do anything. Like, you know, please. And if I'm not mistaken, August 1st came around, and he asked for another extension until September 1st. Oh, my God. What's that do to your psyche? Well, this is what it does to your psyche when you're auditioning for Jerry Maguire at the time. Wow. So 
he was auditioning for Jerry Maguire, but he wasn't, you know, this is what happened with him and to show you as an actor, both of you guys actors, how you have to be uh, really flexible. If I'm not mistaken, he first auditioned for the quarterback, the Jerry O'Connell role. Sure. He didn't get it. He went back in for the babysitter, the guy with the jazz tape. Yeah. <laughs> My house Coltrane. He didn't get it. They brought him back in. They said, why don't you come in for Bob Sugar? And he went through the process, went through the process. Now, this was a CAA-packaged film, Creative Artist Agency. Yeah. Every person in the world went out for this role. He was with a little agency at the time, Abrams Artist, which now is probably yeah. the eighth or ninth biggest agency in the country. And so they ended up testing him. I'll never forget something about that day. It was a weird thing because I was living with him in a house in Willow Glen on um, in Laurel Canyon. And I put a script down, a new script down uh, on the coffee table. And I wrote on the script when he's about to test, I said, I know you're going to, this is going to sound so corny, you're going to throw up. <laughs> I know you're going to cruise, in parentheses, cruise to the part. Nice. <laughs> Sounds like a valentine you get in second grade love, love you buddy <laughs> check box no check no sorry <laughs> if you like me more than a friend check yes so and and he went in and did the test of the restaurant scene firing with 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 uh, tom so we test for a movie you're testing with always with the actor the scenes with yeah so he's testing at a table with tom cruise Jesus. the firing scene with cameron crow just sitting there on one knee looking oh at the God. both of are them. you in the room as well no okay no, I'm not allowed in rooms yeah. where they test, except if I'm an executive producer. Of course. So, uh, and so, but he was he was auditioning and starting auditioning, and he thought that he really had a chance at this. And he said, Barry, I want to, I don't want, I don't want to extend the option. With SNL? With SNL. I want to just let them know, listen, if they want me, they can hire me, uh, but I'm going to try to Get this I've got movie. another opportunity. Yeah, because if he if he yeah. continued to hold out for SNL, then he would have to say he would have lost Jerry Maguire. Gotcha. So I talked to Lauren. I said, "Look, Lauren, you know, and and Marcy Klein and the business affairs person. I think it was Richard Marks at the time. And I said, look, you know, can we just do this where we just leave it open? And if you want him, uh, we'd love to do SNL. Um, just let us know. And and but don't want to don't want to write another extension." And Lauren, uh, Lauren didn't want that, and Lauren wouldn't have that. He wanted him to sign the extension, and I talked to Jay about it, and I, um, I said, you know, you got to go where your heart believes it is, what you can do, it, you know, because there's a chance you could lose SNL, there's a chance you might not get the movie. And Jay's feeling was is that he said, look, if somebody's extending you once, yeah, that means they need a little time. If they're extending you twice, maybe they need a little more time. But if they're extending you a third time, that tends to mean that they're not sure about you and they don't believe in you as much as maybe they believe in some of the other people. And yes, you may get it. But the fact is you're going in for your third season with the psychological knowledge of they didn't want you as much as the people that they picked up. Yeah. So I'd rather focus in on getting this movie and trying to get this movie and make it happen because I know once I get this movie... Things are going to take off, and they did. Wow. Wow. He put it all on the line. He said, SNL, you can wait. I've got faith in myself. 
and uh, I've got confidence in myself, and I know that I'm right for this part. Wow, that's and so then when you, but, and, and we uh, you know I mentioned him before we wrap this up like that that um, getting a part like that that you're you guys got together and then now you're looking at how we're going to turn this part in this big movie into whatever else is on that checklist which i guess you said he knocked it off early on so that's what you do and and whenever you get something the great part about an actor or comedian once you get something you can talk about it and so you can go out in the town and talk about he's doing this tom cruise movie and the next movie he got was picture picture perfect and 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 and, and glenn gordon karen went out on a limb fighting for him to get this role the director because you know he knew he was coming off this tom cruise thing and just to share something again with your audience because it's fascinating like so you think you're going to get have a lot of confidence going into a movie with tom cruise yeah jay moore shows up on the set of the movie and his first scene he's standing next to tom cruise and he actually whispers to tom cruise he's like uh tom you know as the director's talking and then tom's like yeah jay um i uh I don't know what the fuck this director's talking about. I uh, I don't know what the, these terms are. I don't know what's going on. You know, this is really my first movie I'm doing. Again, no filter. Yeah. And Tom says, don't worry, man. I'll take care of you. Just follow me and we'll we'll make it happen. I'll, I'll help you through it. So you think that gave him a lot of confidence. So then what happens is he gets the gig with Jennifer Aniston, but he's got to fly right from the Tom Cruise movie, Jerry Maguire, to New York to Picture Perfect. And while they're in the middle of shooting, and his first scene out of the gate is a makeout scene with Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> that morning, first thing up, he flies in, and that morning, and he had found out that she wanted her boyfriend, Tate Donovan, to get the gig, and he didn't get it. Oh, man. Oh, my and God. So He's going to walk go into in. a shitstorm. Yeah. And so he calls me and he says, Barry, how do I handle this with Jennifer? Do I, what kind of kiss do I give her? Do I, I mean, great I don't question. Know, I don't know what kind of kiss do I do. I give her a passionate She kiss was hoping to be kissing her boyfriend. That's right. And so. Do I ask, uh, do I call Tate and see how he kisses her and like <laughs> try to like cater to that? I think I said to him and he'd have to, I don't, I believe I, he asked my advice and I said, listen. When in doubt, uh, why not go to the source that helped you the last time, which is Tom Cruise? Oh, my God. Why don't you you call, sound like wh- my mom. Why don't you call Tom? Who just thinks so big and outside the box. Or now. Adam's mom <laughs> yeah. to tell you what to do. And so, and, and, and maybe he had talked about it, too, and maybe it was his idea. But we, I remember we were talking to him about it. And he called Tom Cruise, and he said, what do I do? How do I handle this? How do I kiss her? How does it, how do I, as an actor... How do you kiss a woman in a in a kissing scene on a set? And Tom had a really fascinating thing that he said. He said, and Jay said, do I give her the soap opera kiss, which is the kiss without the tongue, or yeah. do I give her the kiss with the tongue? But a lot of movement. No tongue, but you're moving your yeah. heads a lot. So yeah, it looks- that's the soap opera one. And Tom Cruise said, Jay, let her take the lead. If she gives you the soap opera kiss, you give her the soap opera kiss. If she gives you her tongue, you give her the tongue. You you follow her lead. You always follow the woman's lead. If she puts a finger in the ass, you maybe hey. do that. If she comes to set wearing a half shirt, <laughs> <laughs> you wear a half shirt. I see what you're trying to do. I, I see you're trying to give me a little side advice. I love yeah. I love that your head thinks that way to go ask like. And Jay didn't skip a beat when you said ask Cruz. He didn't go, Barry, that's crazy. He just goes, great idea. Yeah, I'll call no. the biggest movie star on the planet. 
No, I mean, he was, and, you know, again, we remember things. Uh, that's how I remember. We sit, I've done 10 podcasts with Jay, and, and we sit across and dispute how things happen. But suffice to say, if it wasn't just myself, it was us together thinking this would be, because you just right. got off the thing with him, and yeah. who else would know better than him? Yes. That's incredible. And people think that this is the weirdest thing that people think about movie stars and they think, oh, my God, they're so unapproachable. I mean, you don't I – w- I met with uh, the, the road manager of Celine Dion uh, and one of the producers of the tour, whatever. Celine Dion, okay, since Titanic uh, – take this of all the performers listening, musically or magicians sure. or comedians – has never not sold out a show since Titanic came out. It doesn't matter if it's an arena. It doesn't matter if it's a theater, if it's Vegas. Never not sold out a show. She's never saying power of love in front of a half-empty house. That's correct. As it should be, by the way. (laughs) And every show she does, she has to sing My Heart Must Go On at the end. It's the encore or whatever the hell it is. It's the one everyone Or whatever it is. Yeah. And every place she goes, she can't leave her hotel room. Holy so shit. she's one of the most, you know, it's the most lonely, hard life. Because even when you go out with security, people are fucking mental and they go crazy. So I can guarantee you that Celine Dion would love to get a call from a fellow artist saying, hey, how do I handle this gig where I'm opening up for Aerosmith and what, how should I handle it or what should I do? Yeah. But people don't it, call it, because he, they're afraid that they're going to be... It normalizes you in your situation, right? Yeah, people love love that. So yeah. are you also saying that like celebrities like to be... Uh, I was sitting next to Alfred Molina in a coffee bean two days ago, and I was meeting with a buddy to do some writing, and he texted me, he goes, I'm sitting next to Alfred Molina. Him and I both went to USC and uh, acting school. Big, just We know who he is. We think he's one of the greatest actors of all time. He's the shit. We're sitting there and we're like, should we say something to him? Like, I went, he, he came and spoke when they screened Frida at USC my sophomore year and he spoke and I talked to him after, whatever. He went to the same uh, study abroad uh, program in, in England that I did. And I just, we also were like, he probably would enjoy us not just fanning out, but like being like, hey, we're, talk to him maybe about acting for a minute or just compliment his work. But we didn't do it. And, because I was also like, he's at a coffee bean. Like he's, he seemed like he was doing some work and like, don't bug him. But when do you, I mean, when is the, do you just have to trust your instinct in those moments or do you always go, a- don't. Adam, what's the worst thing that would have happened? What's the worst yeah. thing you could have visualized from going up to him? He would have been like, thank you and kept it short. That's and right. We what's, the ta- be- what's the best thing that could have happened? Oh, he would have talked to us for a half hour about acting and he would have been on the podcast next week. Would have been on the podcast, and if he had a project yeah. that he was doing, After, a, yeah. a half hour or, or drama p- series, yeah, you're right. And you were going in, he would remember you and know you, and it would give you an advantage. Yeah, I and, thought about all this about and through 15 us, minutes and, and, and the least thing is through osmosis, you would be hanging with somebody like I talked about the Dale Carnegie book. Somebody at that level, where you're around that person of that level. Also, I, he seemed like the type of guy that would be a little bit um, giddy to see some young actors that would like know who he was. Because yeah. he clearly, nobody in that coffee bean turned ahead. Because he doesn't look like a movie star. Do you remember seeing the Billy Joel clip on YouTube where he's talking, I think, at NYU. He's doing like a lecture at NYU. And some kid raises his hand. And... Um, uh, and he says, yeah, we're going to help you with that. And he says, listen, I, um, I was wondering if... Um, uh, 
I, I could uh, play uh, New York State of Mind with you. I, you know, I play piano. I've been mm-hmm. doing it for a while. I was wondering if I could do that with you now. Yeah. And you could see, if you haven't watched this, you got to watch it. And, and, and Billy Joel is just standing in front of the mic. He's looking forward. He's sort of shaking his head a certain way. And he's like, you know, it looks like a delay. And he said, okay. <laughs> and the kid comes up. Holy and shit. it's one of the most amazing moments. And I say that to all of your listeners because what happened, that great moment happened only because he asked. Yeah. And if he hadn't asked, there's no great moment. If he had asked and Billy Joel said no, there's still no great moment from not asking. So you get the same result whether you ask and he says no or you don't ask. So why don't you fucking ask? (laughs) Barry, to bring it back to my mom again and why you and her (laughs) share such striking similarities, you know what she's told me from the get-go that I've always applied? You don't ask, you don't get. That's right. And she is exactly what you just said. She there's times where, you know, she's like, what's the worst that could happen? And like, I can't believe that didn't take both Barry Cats and Puddin' Cox having that both voices in my head. I didn't uh, tune in. Tune in next week when we update you on the blind date that Barry Cats and Puddin' Cox go out on. <laughs> Actually, we're starting our own podcast. <laughs> you know what? It'd be incredible. I would listen. Um, uh, Barry, Barry, we kind of got to wrap this up, but uh there's no great way to ever wrap up a podcast with you because I just everything <laughs> everything begets itself. Else. I want to like there's another door and another story. But hey, part three, man. Yeah. I would love to do this podcast okay. on a regular basis. Okay. I would love to beat my record with Jay. So we'll have to have me on eleven. Perfect, time. absolutely, perfect. And uh, let's play this. I've once told you this where I, where I said every time I leave your office, I, I always feel a little a little better about myself, and I'm a little. I'm a little more amped, and I'm ready to go out there and face the world. And uh, this meeting is no different, and I, I, I hope that our listeners now feel the same, where they can go out and, uh, and take your tales and your advice and apply it to their own lives and, and, ma- and make their own lives better. Uh, we sat down with you, and you gave Adam some advice. Now Adam's, fingers crossed, going to book this thing. We've talked about the stuff that you've done for me. I think everyone could get a little more out of life if they just follow the Barry Katz philosophy. Well, I appreciate that, man. And if you, you know, that's what's great about the, it feels like I'm giving a plug and I'm not, but that's what's great about the industry standard is that you just, it's free and you can listen to all these people and it's, it's incredible. And, the people you have at your disposal that, that, that love Barry Katz that want to come on and share, uh, you know, the philosophies and just and the stories and the experiences that you've had together with your guests or that you've had separately that you know about and want them to share with the listeners because I think that's just what Brad said about, like, obviously our uh, these stories and experiences are coded in the entertainment business, but there's a lot of – we're still just people living in the world, and so these things, uh, these stories are coded in comedy and acting and movies and TV, but uh, – you know, it's uh, there's a lot happening in that that you can apply if you work at a Wells Fargo or a Quiznos. Which I, yeah, and I know Quiznos. Guys, if you're out there, I'd love to sp- you to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> and I know they're signing off, but I just want to say to your audience, and I, I feel like Johnny Carson and uh, Sammy <laughs> Davis Jr. on the couch. <laughs> I've been around a lot of pe- people in my life, sadly, too many to count. And you can count the great people, the wonderful people, the easy hangs on half a hand and normally you only run into one but when you sit in a room with two 
it's like you've won the fucking lottery. And so for your listeners, they've won the lottery. Oh, man. Uh, I can't, <laughs> Thanks, I, Barry. I, I can't follow it up. Thanks, Barry. <laughs> Thank you. Show. That's the show. Subscribe on iTunes to this fucking podcast. Give them a five-star rating so this midget and this Jew can feel good about themselves for a couple minutes. Also, get on your iPhone or Android and get the podcast app. You can also listen to it on Stitcher or aboutlastnightpodcast.com, where you can hear past episodes with great guests like Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Kevin Nealon, Bob Saget, Dion Cole, Chris D'Elia, Adam Devine, Michael McDonald, Julia White, Bud Friedman, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Tom Arnold, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Jessime Peluso, Joey McIntyre, and many, many more. I'm Tony Danza. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. Good night. That's it, right? You got it? Sweet. Boy, it smells good in that booth, by the way. What kind of candle is that? Hanukkah Willow? <laughs> nice. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years, one of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. <laughs>